previously on Little Bit Leave It. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Little Bit Leave It, the podcast where we talk Love Island, UK in the USA. My name is Ben, and with me, as always, it's my podcasting partner and partner in life, Becca. How you doing? Is that a Friends reference? It's been another fun-filled evening home. The little one and the big one are both away, and so we partied hard. Ben watched some challenge. I watched some ER. I went to bed at a reasonable hour and slept till nine. Everything is gold. Well, the Friends reference is certainly appropriate for this season of Love Island UK. That's right. We're talking about season seven. This episode is covering the third week of season seven of Love Island UK. And we are going to go into everything that happened this week well not everything because then it would be a three-hour show right right we will hit all of the high points and the low points but before we do any of that we want to remind you that if you really like the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash little bit leave it and support us there for as little as two dollars per month every monday we still have our regular season six episodes coming out for the next few weeks. And before we dive deep into the week's happenings, I wanted to address something that happened on social media. So Chloe, of course, stole Toby. I mean, Toby is a free person. He can do what he wants. But so she kind of was not super honest with Kaz, right? She did lie to Kaz's face about it. And a YouTuber, a British YouTuber named Roxsaurus, her real name is Roxy, and she's got like, you know, two and a half million followers or something on YouTube. She tweeted that she was not watching Love Island UK, but she realized that she went to school with one of the Islanders and that this Islander bullied her relentlessly when they were in school together people were quickly able to figure out that she was talking about Chloe based on their ages and the fact that Roxy and Chloe share a hometown. The fact that she didn't name Chloe and has millions and millions of YouTube subscribers, I think I said two and a half earlier, but it's actually four and a half million YouTube subscribers. It makes me think that she was not doing this for clout. And in the comments of the tweet, another person wrote, Yeah, it is Chloe. I went to school there, too, and she bullied lots of girls. And then Roxy, again without naming her, said that she went to Facebook to check out her old bully's profile and saw it had been deleted. And she said she wasn't surprised because there was undoubtedly a lot of, quote, cancelable stuff on there. What do you think that could mean, Beck? You know, probably some casual racism is my guess. Yeah. Whether or not Chloe's an actual bigot, probably not. But, you know, you can be pretty damn racist without being an actual bigot. So we did talk briefly in week two how Chloe kind of formed a new bad girls club, sort of, or tried to anyway, with Lucinda and Millie when she was plotting to take Toby from Kaz. So I don't know. What do you think about all this, Beck? I think cliques are part of Love Island the way so many other natural group dynamics are. You know, like I said, you know you pissed off the old girls when you end up hanging out with the new ones and you're an original. 
right? Just like Lucy ended up hanging out with, uh, who was that, Arabella and Mora, and there was somebody else too. Yeah. Do you think Chloe is a bully? I don't disbelieve it. I think she has mean girl in her. She pretty much mean girl Kaz. Yeah, I think that she seemed to take real pleasure in the way things happened with Kaz and the fact that she was able to deceive Kaz and get what she wanted. I didn't read that much ill will against Kaz into it. I thought it was more about the thrill of chasing a quote unquote taken guy. I thought that was more of Chloe's interest. And Kaz was just collateral damage. That's right. Chloe did mention that right during the very, very first interview we ever saw with her, right? Wasn't it Chloe who talked about being with a married guy? Yeah. So, like I said, I don't think she did it at Kaz, but I don't think she particularly cared about Kaz either. Um, Despite them being friends, I do think she... But I also think Chloe did not expect to develop feelings for Toby, which we see over the course of the week. Yep, we certainly do. So I think, yeah, let's talk about the week. So we kick off the week with Teddy's four dates and Brad cracks that Teddy is so good looking. Not only might still new girls Millie and Lucinda go after him, hell, Brad might go after him. And those dates themselves, the first girl, it's Kaz. He immediately asks her, what's the deal with Toby? And she tells him it's off, it's done. And we learn that Teddy wants passion, he's a man of his word, and he travels. That's really it. They don't show a whole lot. There's some flirting. It seems nice. Yeah, I I gave that one a solid B, B plus. Following Kaz, it's Rachel. This one had a bit more substance to it. They appreciate each other's fashion sense, and both were correct. They're two of the better-dressed islanders, for sure. We learn that Rachel once dropped everything to go to Paris on a date. Not surprising, because Rachel's a badass. She's a thoroughly modern woman who can give herself whatever she wants, including an orgasm. But Teddy says she shouldn't have to, and they definitely have some sexy, nervous energy going on. Much better date, I think. Yeah, I gave this one an A+. I really liked it. There was some heat. I was fanning myself. This is probably second only to the Millie and Liam date. But they are, of course, interrupted by the third young lady, and that is Sharon. So from Sharon, or via Sharon, we learn that Teddy is a senior financial consultant. Leave it to Sharon to find out the important stuff. And so it's funny because she says basically what Rachel says about being an independent woman, but she comes off so much more aggressively. She uses the word emasculate several times. And while I wouldn't want to be with a guy who's afraid of that word, it's not a particularly good impression on a first date. I don't know. In my experience, the women who are super out front about saying, oh, men are just really intimidated by me. Well, it's oftentimes not so much that men are intimidated by you. I mean, certainly some men might be, but I don't know. I often find women who say that a lot are just mean. And finally, Faye comes out. Who's also a mean girl. She jokingly, question mark, kicks Sharon out. Go on, move your ass. 
I'll let you say bye. This date also has potential. They play footsie under the table. They come in holding hands. Not a whole lot of substance. I thought there was a lot more substance in the Rachel date. But she's pretty aggressively affectionate, especially for Faye, who's really closed herself off otherwise. So this is interesting. Yeah, they have a pretty good conversation and I'm not sure if it goes quite as well as Rachel's date but it goes really well and so obviously as the girls come back they give their impressions of Teddy Kaz thought he was sexy and confident but was very disappointed that she forgot to ask his job Sharon and Rachel think that Faye won't fancy him and they all agree that girl code is out the window the friendly competition is on yep and Teddy has a real choice to make It seems like he is leaning toward Faye or Rachel, but Liberty interrogates him on Kaz's behalf. Rachel grafts hard. She goes right for the kill and she asks him what gets him in the mood. Is he generous? Is he a tease? Yeah, a lot of sex talk from Rachel. At least that's the edit she's getting, as we will discuss later. Yeah, let's get into that in a minute. I think this is the first time we see the Islanders kind of visibly intoxicated this season. Those are always fun. Yeah, I think the producers may have relaxed the taps a little bit on this evening to maybe get a little bit of drama going with the new guy entering. I wonder if it's a coincidence that this is also the night that we see two couples stay on the day beds outside all night. Or it's just a bunch of horn dogs let loose in a luxury villa. Chloe and Toby and Liam and Millie get freaky outside. Liam did not enjoy his night outside, and that's all he's willing to say about that. Yeah, I don't know what that meant. Bugs. Yeah, probably. And we now have this season's sex metaphors. Now, Toby, he goes for soccer metaphors, which, you know, for us Americans, uh uh-oh. Yeah, the score at the end of that night was nil-nil, although Chloe does reveal to the girls that he has a big pitch. I'm not really sure, yeah. I don't know how to extend that into a soccer metaphor. He wears big cleats. He wears big cleats. How about that? Yeah. And then, of course, it's time for a recoupling. Everything goes pretty much as expected, but Teddy does not get to pick Kaz or Sharon. You know, a lot of times they do give that new Islander their choice between all the girls they are considering. But in this case, Teddy gets to dump one of his top two choices. Yeah, they gave Aaron and Hugo the path to friendship couples before Teddy even had a chance. You know, Aaron picking Kaz and Toby picking Sharon. Hugo gives a very friendly friend speech when picking Sharon, which is important later. And then also dumping Rachel or Faye means he doesn't even get a chance with the other one if he chooses wrong. Yeah, sucks for Teddy. He's been put in a tough spot. And I love how Brad managed to dis all the girls except Lucinda in his speech. There has been no one in there for him except for Faye and Chloe and Rachel. Yeah. Now, Rachel, she, I think, really got done dirty by the producers this entire stay. She leaves the villa, of course, after this recoupling. But why did the producers force her to choose between two guys who didn't like her and she didn't even really like? Chugs and Brad, that is. Yeah, exactly. When she came in, she had to choose one of those two guys and it made for a pretty boring 
first 24 hours for her in the villa, and it also stunted her relationships with all of the other guys. You have to wonder if Rachel might have hit it off with Aaron or Hugo if she had gotten the chance to know them at first. And in addition, it does seem like the producers really focused on the sexual comments that she made and excluded a lot of other things that she talked about. And to me, this seems of a piece with the stereotype of black women as aggressive and also the racist tropes of black people being kind of more subject to our baser instincts. And the sad part is I really appreciated Rachel's blatant sexuality. I'm not discounting the fact that it may well have been a racist edit, right? I'm not arguing that at all. And I don't know how to reconcile that with the fact that I appreciated it. Yeah, I agree. I think it was great to see sex positive talk. I did not realize until I saw the reaction in the media and on social media how that would be perceived in the UK. I don't know. Would it have been as much oh, she's a sexual predator kind of language? I don't know. Probably. Yeah, I guess probably. Yeah, Teddy notes before they're coupling that she wears her heart on her sleeve, which was both good and bad in his estimation. And even Sharon showed Rachel some respect by saying she grabbed all opportunities by the horns. Yeah, to me, this is just another time that Love Island and the casting team gets it wrong yeah they put in two beautiful black women and only one guy who is actually interested in dating a black woman and that's aaron kind of sucks for kaz and rachel you know there is not much point to representative diversity on a show like love island if you're gonna make things so miserable for the people of color that you do cast So I don't know, maybe it's a little unfair to Toby. Maybe there are- Toby sucks. Yeah, Toby sucks, but maybe there are theoretically two guys who would date the right black woman, but still two guys, that's, come on. Anyway, we have got some new couples coming out of this recoupling. First, it's Brad and Lucinda. So Beck, do you think that Lucinda really likes Brad? I think she's gonna give him a try. They get to snogging. There's lots of snogging in the evening. Although in the morning, she reports that all she got in bed was a kiss on the head. And she is deemed wifed up. And that kind of fits in with all of Brad's talk about how he's going to cook and clean and make her life wonderful. And all she has to do is sit there and look pretty. Yeah, no, when it comes down to it, Brad is just a simple country boy who is just blessed with these uh, looks that he's got. And the 90s haircut. He's kind of a personified avatar of a boy band member, right? Yeah, I could see that. Next, we've got Faye and Teddy. Hashtag Fetty. They've already given themselves a couple name. This could be interesting because Kaz isn't ruling things out with him. She says just because they're coupled up doesn't mean they're married. And to be fair, she's right. And after watching Chloe and Toby make out, Faye warns Teddy she's not into being sexed up in public. So Faye's going to be a hard nut to crack. And Teddy's got some work ahead of him. Will he stray for a girl who makes his life a little easier? We shall see. Of course, in a time-honored Love Island tradition, the next morning, Toby carves food in the shape of his enamored one's initials. And it looks terrible until other islanders intervene. 
also a time-honored Love Island tradition. Chloe says that this was the cutest thing anyone had ever done for her and that her bar is way too low. Yeah, the second half of that, definitely true. And it's time, of course, for our favorite challenge on Love Island, Spit the Roast. I really thought that they were going to can the food spitting challenge this year. I mean, have they not heard of COVID? Yeah, well, everybody's been quarantined. I am convinced that there is some producer at Love Island who has a very, very unhealthy interest in all this wet and messy stuff. By the way, we did a deep dive into UK sexual fetishes for one of our season six episodes. Wet and messy. Big deal in the UK. Jake and Liberty look like they enjoy it and they look like they're doing pretty well. Hugo holding Sharon's mouth open with his hands. That was something to see. Nothing brings people closer together than spitting in each other's mouths. Millie says she has no issue with that challenge and it shows as her and Liam get the W. Yeah, this is definitely one of the most disgusting things on TV anywhere in the world. I can't eat my evening snack during this episode. I talk about snacks a lot, don't I? I guess people are really getting to know me. So also coming out of all of this, we see there are some Islanders who are struggling with vulnerability now that we are starting to move past the icebreaker stage of villa life. Now we're getting to the heartbreaker stage. Yep. We've got Millie wondering how to get Liam to open up. So his idea of opening up is asking her, is there anything you don't like about me? You know, she wants to know him on a deeper level, but does he even have one? I guess we'll find out as this rolls along, right? I think we have to watch the unseen bits. I think they get a lot more of Liam's whole humanity there that we don't get. He's kind of painted as a himbo on the main show. And I'm wondering maybe we're missing something important. Yeah, no, that is definitely a major criticism of this season. The unseen bits are much more revealing of the Islanders personalities than the main show. So, yeah, go check it out. Liam apparently is very funny and quick witted. We also have Faye chatting with Liberty and then Teddy. She is also having a bit of a hard time opening up. Faye confesses to Liberty that she doesn't want to let Teddy in because she's afraid of getting hurt or losing control. But Teddy seems to be able to calm her a bit. He tells her he made the right choice. They acknowledge that heads can swivel, but we'll see. And that was one of the things she and Liam respected about each other too, was that they're both very honest about reality. Faye says she doesn't feel weird around Teddy, so there's already a leg up over Brad. There you go. So Faye and Teddy, right, they have their snogs on the rooftop. Hooray. Good to see them getting cozy. And when she relays all of this information to Sharon and Kaz, they do not look nearly as excited for her as Liberty might have, as they are still wasting away in Friend Islandville. Yeah, I'm so glad that Friend Island got so many plugs this week. But Faye has not learned a lesson yet. She still plans to keep him at arm's length. For now, he can have Bitch McGee. So we'll see if that backfires. Yeah. So far, though, it seems to be working. Yeah. The hard to get thing does seem to keep Teddy interested. Now, we've also got Lib finally comfortable admitting that she has caught feelings for Jake. This is one of my favorite scenes because it shows a softer side to several people. Toby and Chloe straight out ask Jake and Liberty how they're doing and Liberty reveals that she's caught a little bit of the feels and Jake wants to hear more. 
I think Liberty is only letting on a little bit of how she feels. I don't think she's given the full thing because she says she hasn't fallen all the way off the cliff. Lies. And so Jake promises that he's 100% fallen for her. I mean, I don't know. Jake, how'd you do that? Jake, how'd you turn it around like this? Jakey wakey is so sweet. And so Liv reveals that she's always compared herself to others. But since everyone on Love Island is hot, it really has to be about your personality and how you connect with others. And Jake is the first guy that she's been comfortable enough with to show her real self. And by now, like she's crying. Toby gives her a huge hug for opening up. And Toby's crying, and it's just a great moment. It's a few minutes of likability for Toby, which he really needed. For sure. So in the morning, there is a breakfast double date, complete with waiters and a maitre d'. The guys, Jake and Toby, pulled out every bus stop in the nation. Another great Love Island malapropism by Hugo. It's time for the hideaway. Liam and Millie get to go in as a reward for winning the spitting up challenge. They also find the sex drawer. She puts on a naughty nurse outfit and gives him a massage. And overall, it is a completely boring non-event. Although I heard that there were racy scenes that were cut and put in the after shows. You mean the unseen bits? Yeah, whatever. Uh, And in the morning, Liam very sweetly actually shares with the guys that Millie put the nurse outfit on. He didn't seem to do it, you know, in a way to titillate them. (laughs) Titillate. And he also complains that he had to be very careful not to fart to keep up the sexy atmosphere. Yeah, very true. Lots of farting this season. Yes, it's a smelly place, the villa. Not quite as smelly as Friend Island for Kaz, Sharon, and Hugo. So Yeah, it stinks to be there. Is there a possibility of Sharon and Hugo getting off Friend Island together? They were cuddling in the morning, and she tells Kaz she never ruled him out. Is that a lie? I thought so. I mean, didn't she very early on, like, oh, he's just not sexually attractive to me. But- he friend zone her and she said that this coupling has a different vibe they're more on each other's wavelengths now he's a good communicator yeah i really am not sure where hugo's head is at in all of this to me his rejection of her seemed very defensive but hey that's just my read on it kaz doesn't know where hugo's head is at either so she tries to find out he says that he and sharon friend zoned each other right away after their initial friction And that allows them to get along. And Kaz brings that back to Sharon, who's on the right track when she says Hugo would tell her if he was interested. The next major development is between Brad and Lucinda. We see them go on a date and we learn it is literally Brad's first date ever. The guys try to give him some advice. He's told to ask questions and shut up, which is good advice. And Toby tells him he's only allowed three gans. What's a gan? Going, I think. Oh. A gan down the pub. I just can't believe how provincial Brad is. Also, he's that good looking, never to have gone on a date. Well, he explains it to Lucinda that his town of Amble is so tiny that he's either been with everybody or his friends have been with the rest of them. So yeah. there's nobody left for him. And Lucinda says that she's from a town that's even smaller, but she goes to Brighton to party. Yeah. At least she leaves. Right. Now, speaking of Brighton and Amble, will geography doom this relationship? Because 
These two are about as far apart as you can be and still be in England. I think that there's more than that that's going to doom them. Very possibly, as we find out shortly. To Brad's credit, I will say he does a much better job with this date. He is more open to dialogue and it pays off. Lucinda reveals that she is catching feelings and she appreciated his attempts at conversing, even though he does talk a lot still after all that. And still, after everything that's happened this week, we are just not getting the drama and excitement that the producers and the audience are used to on Love Island UK. And we've got another vote. It's a public compatibility vote. The least popular couple will be split up and one of them will be dumped from the villa. And of course, Brad and Lucinda come in last. And obviously this vote was done before the date, but it really feels so extra cruel after watching them connect on that date and hearing Lucinda open up about actually liking him after she had second thoughts previously. And Brad immediately volunteers to leave and does his best to convince Lucinda to stay in the villa without him. So obviously shock and awe go through all of the Islanders when they reveal their decision. Jake runs up crying with a big old bear hug for Brad. And Faye is angry at Lucinda for staying. And she also later says that Brad was her best friend in the villa, which surprised me at least. I think she just said that. Yeah. I don't think that was real. But she says, you come in to find love. Why else would you stay? You know, Lucinda reminds her that it's been a week. How can you can't call it love after a week? Yeah, and Faye's whole thing is, oh, you'll never find another guy who's going to love you like Brad loves you. But Faye always starts out hot and then comes around and eventually she comforts a very obviously sad girl. She realizes that Lucinda didn't have bad intentions. She's just young. It was a new thing. It wasn't even a relationship. It was a new thing. And Lucinda is really torn up over the whole thing. She really feels badly about the way everything went down. But I don't think leaving with him would have been the right thing to do, especially because they're so geographically undesirable together. Yeah, and I will say for the purposes of the show, it's not the worst thing to lose Brad. There might be one or two other Islanders I would have lost before him. But honestly, he wasn't doing a whole lot. I'm pissed that Bad Brad goes out a hero. It gave me Johnny season three vibes. Yep, he gets a little bit of the Johnny treatment here. He gets a melancholy hero's exit with lots of sad islanders. And I'm also pissed that the public split up a real couple when they had two friend couples to mess with. I'm not sure actually who people were punishing, whether they were punishing Brad for acting like a jerk to both Faye and Chloe earlier in the season, or whether everybody just hates Lucinda because they find her annoying. I don't think he was actually a jerk to Chloe at all. I think he was just self-absorbed and Chloe was the one on the receiving end. Yeah, that's probably true. You know, I was maybe using a little bit of shorthand, but my question is just generally... Do you think that they came in the bottom because of Brad or because of Lucinda? Well, I think Aaron and Kaz were probably both safe. And Hugo definitely saved Sharon there. Yeah, I think so too. And we've seen friend couples sneak in here and there with success. So I'm just annoyed that they had two friend couples, not just one. And both of them made it through. Another couple that finished in the bottom three, Toby and Chloe. And I think that's for pretty obvious reasons. 
Yeah, Chloe reminds him how they got started and that it was pretty shady. And Toby takes that personally. So she gets really upset about that because she thinks that maybe he only cares about appearances and maybe he's not actually in it with his heart. He's just in it as a scheme. And they have several conversations trying to communicate their feelings. And he basically tells her, I'm an emotional fuckwit and I don't know how to emotion. You need to help me learn how to not care about everything. And that sucks. After the whole Kaz debacle, we think, okay, maybe Chloe's just a better girl for him. Maybe they're a better match. But no, Toby just sucks. And this is the beginning of him revealing that he truly sucks. He didn't just do something sucky. Toby is an idiot and he sucks. I agree. But they make up in the morning. So after seeing that nobody's place is secure and that they do like each other. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I just can't believe that he would seriously take these compatibility votes as more important for validating the relationship he has with Chloe than his actual feelings and her feelings and everything they say and do. It's mind blowing, but... Hey, it's Toby. So yeah, we're going to see a little bit more of that, I think. We've got another really fun challenge. It's stags versus hens. Complete with bachelor and bachelorette party accoutrements, including inflatable wieners. Now the girls start off well. They win the flip cup. Handily. Yep. And then they also untie themselves first. They get an advantage for that final round, but the guys end up Pulling it out at the end. Well, yeah, chugging beers was not a fair fight. Guys are bigger and they're more used to chugging beers. That's a broad generalization. Obviously, not every dude chugs beer, although the laddiest do. And Love Island is pretty laddie. And even though the girls on Love Island are pretty laddie also, I just think like proportionally, the guys are going to be better at chugging beer. And I think maybe the contest was weighted in their favor. I don't know. I don't think it was the beer chugging where the guys made the biggest difference. It was because of the ring toss, not because of the beer chugging thing. That gave the guys a chance to pull ahead. Once I saw that the last task was beer chugging, I was like, oh, the guys have this. There's no way the girls are going to make this up. I don't know. I think that these girls know how to chug a beer. But in any case, you might be right. Might have been a little slanted toward the guys because the winning team gets a new islander of the opposite sex to join the villa and because the guys win we get to meet aj eyes on the prize boys wow if you want to get your love island stay started in the most annoying way you just look to aj who immediately turns off all the girls right from the get-go we learn that she's 28 we learn that she's half filipino and half english The girls are really jealous of AJ for some reason, and she really does not get a warm welcome. Yeah, especially from Faye. Faye is not having it. Before she even comes in, Faye is yelling that she can sod off. Now, if you watch season six, remember when Rebecca came in, Shauna felt incredibly threatened and went out of her way to both befriend Rebecca aggressively and makes snide, shitty comments to and about her. And so Faye does the exact same thing to AJ. Yeah, I don't know how Faye senses it because I think Teddy is ready to have his head turned by AJ specifically. I think the guys warning him that that would be a really tricky situation kind of helped. 
he did seem to come away from that conversation being a little bit more wary because then he goes and checks in with Faye and she plays hard to get yet again. She tells him once she sees you're boring as fuck, I win. That being said, he still goes and gives AJ the time of day and they have a hardcore flirt over traveling. He says that his travel plans over the last two years didn't work out and that he didn't get to touch Asia and AJ tells him he can touch half Asia if he wants. Ooh, AJ. That was weird. Yeah, that was a little weird. So I think we also have now a couple of new couples emerging. First, Aaron and Lucinda are spending some time together now that Brad has left the villa. That was pretty quick, huh? Yeah, Aaron doesn't waste any time. They both acknowledge that they have been basically eye-fucking across the villa this whole time. He keeps inching closer to her. He's rubbing her legs. But she keeps her guard up a bit. And I'm wondering if that was genuine, like she is sad about Brad. And I want to give her the benefit of the doubt here because she she is shown like crying and moping a lot. So I'm going to say that Lucinda is still shaken about Brad leaving. And Aaron is like a shark man. Like he knows exactly how hard to go to not scare her off, at least so far. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we also have Hugo breaking it to Sharon that he is not interested in her romantically. Sharon says to him, if he's willing to give AJ a shot, who is a lot like her and even less his type, why is he not willing to give her the time of day? And he basically flat out says, no way. You're my little sister. We are just friends. He is spending time with AJ. She can't believe he's single. Has she not been watching? Well, I've been watching and I can believe it. And I can also believe that Faye is so bored because truthfully, we are a little bored too. Faye comes up with her own game, Suck the Egg. I've never seen this game before. And I also think this is the first time we have seen an Islander take such an active role in creating drama since, I don't know, Since John Clark in season one. Anyway, Hugo engineers it so he gets to kiss AJ. Yeah, Hugo, like you said, engineers it so he kisses AJ. It seems like he likes her. They had been flirting earlier. Yeah, but ultimately... We are all fooled. Yep. Kaz gets an exciting text that says that somebody named Danny is coming and she's going on a date with him. Now, Danny was controversial before he even entered the house. Oh, man. So we're going to talk more about Danny, I think, on next week's episode. But Danny is problematic with a capital P. And a lowercase a. Danny is going to come in, but first he gets to pick two dates and he picks Kaz. Toby gives her a nice hug on the way out. And I guess they've made their peace. I guess. We learn that Danny's goals include home ownership. He just bought his own house. Good for you, Danny. His goals are also to own a Lamborghini and have a penthouse in Los Angeles, which, by the way, shows how little he understands about Los Angeles. It's New York City with the penthouse apartments, dude. Los Angeles has the oceanfront mansions, you know, the Malibu Hills, Pacific Palisades. That's... The rich people shit in Los Angeles. The penthouses are New York City, bro. 
Bro, he recognizes Kaz's perfume, which I found not interesting in a bad way, just notable. I don't know. He's problematic. He's creepy. We'll talk about a lot more next week because this episode's already going to run long. Uh, We learned that he's from near Manchester. And though he is a handyman by trade, he just started his own high-end fashion line. Like, what does that even mean? I have no idea. And this guy does not scream high-end fashion to me, personally. No, but Kaz, who might be, you know, sniffing around desperately a little bit, she tells the girls he's sexy and could defo rail me. She loves how many compliments he gave her, but talk is cheap, girl. This guy looks scary. He looks violent. He does not look like a nice guy, but he's got a date with Sharon. She just wants a big, fit bloke with some conversation. He wants an independent woman. And it turns out they're both very ambitious and into luxury goods. Could this be an unexpected match? I'm going to say no, because Sharon is not going to go for a guy with his professional background. You know, the kind of trades guy. I think she wants a professional He tells the guys he was surprised by how well they got along and that she's a bit of him. I think this merits watching. Okay. You never know. Another situation that I think we should all have our eyes on is what is going to happen to AJ. She is really going through it in the villa. Hugo is not giving her much to work with. The first issue is that he is five years younger than her. His five-year plan gets him to 29, and she is turning 29 this year. His plans do not include a family, and I can understand not wanting to have kids by 29. You want to do stuff. Is she going to be willing to wait until she's 34 to have a baby? I mean, maybe. I did. But it's not every woman who wants to wait until the end of their fertile years. Right after he sticks it on her in the egg game, they're up alone on the terrace, She says she was disappointed that people weren't going fuller force with snogging in the game that, you know, it was just all for fun and people should have been snogging whoever they dropped the egg with. And she wished that she'd kissed Hugo fuller force too. It is like the perfect moment to kiss the girl, right? They're on the snog rooftop. They're talking about snogging. They've already snogged in the game. And instead of just sticking it on her, Hugo tells her, I could snog you right now, but you'll have to wait. What the fuck? Dude, I don't even know. I don't even know. Hugo, what are you thinking? And the next day, AJ pulls him for a chat and he tells her he doesn't want to flirt with anyone he's not sure about. He then ducks out to go play with the boys. Hugo, man, you are really disappointing me here. Now, look, if he's not into her, he doesn't have to be into her. But to engineer the game where it was very obvious that he was just trying to kiss her and then tells her, I could kiss you, but I won't. Like that is running very hot and cold to me. And that's not fair. Yeah, he is sending her very mixed signals. Unlike Teddy, who really gives AJ the cold shoulder. But he was pretty hot on her previously. He also turns on a dime. He tells her he's happy with Faye, who ticks all the boxes. And that he's thinking of Faye while talking to AJ. Ouch. Yeah, that was a little unnecessary. But Uh, he sees how hot she runs and he really wanted to make sure that she got the message because she needs a very clear message, apparently. 
Yeah, apparently she does because Liam is not successful in his approach to letting AJ down gently. He gives her the tepid shoulder in a first conversation, but he's a little bit too nice, so she pulls him twice. Liam definitely needs to work on his communication skills. He doesn't know how to let AJ down easy or reassure Millie. He never actually tells AJ no, but she needs to calm the fuck down too. In their second chat, after he's already kind of shied away from her, she tells him normally she'd be kissing and grabbing on him, but she can't because Millie is right there. I am also wondering if the producers threw AJ in because they knew or they thought that she was going to be really sexually aggressive. Yeah. In between the two chats, Liam does have a conversation with Millie where he attempts to reassure her and fails miserably. Millie does not look convinced at all. Liam does not do anything romantic, affectionate, or unequivocally declaring his loyalty. Now, do you think that AJ has a shot with Aaron? She says that she likes Liam and Aaron because they make sexy eye contact, but she doesn't really say much else about Aaron. So, I mean, she could, but he doesn't seem to be one of her targets. And then hell, she also says she likes Danny's tattoos. So I don't know what AJ is going for. It sounds like she's just throwing hormones at the wall and seeing what sticks. Yep. So Danny comes back to the villa with Sharon. And of course, the next morning he is walking around in his underwear instead of the bathing suit and starts grafting Lucinda immediately. Yeah, he asks Lucinda straight out if she fancies him, and she pulls the Brad excuse. He still chats with Kaz pretty hard. He says she's going to see all his layers, like the fact that he has a cat. But he tells Jake he likes Sharon and Lucinda. Meanwhile, Hugo asks the guys, do they feel the need to graft extra because of Danny? Liam says no, which is the wrong answer, my dude. Teddy says that Faye would run away, which is the correct answer. And Aaron would tell Lucinda to go talk to him if she wanted, which is ballsy. Yeah, absolutely. But I think Aaron's got the confidence. He reads Danny as an insecure loser, which he is. And the week ends on a cliffhanger, of course. It's time for another recoupling. So we don't see the second recoupling this week, but it's going to happen. AJ is going to pick first followed by Danny and then the rest of the boys. Again. Again. That's two in a row where we get the boys picking. We're left with AJ debating between Hugo and Liam, despite Liam showing very little interest in her. And I just hope one of the guys will have Millie's back if AJ steals Liam, because it would be a bummer if Millie left the house when things with Liam are very real and pertinent and you think they would at least have the opportunity to be together behind AJ's back or in front of AJ's face behind her back. Well, that wraps it up for this week. So let's move on to the state of the couples. God, who even are the couples anymore? Everything's a hot mess. Well, Jake and Liberty, they're a couple. Thumbs up. So you think they will be together. You were right, by the way. You said last week they would be together and they are still together at the end of week three. And you think they will also be together at the end of week four, huh? Yeah, that conversation they had with Chloe and Toby, I think they're in it. Okay, let's do Chloe and Toby. Will they be together at the end of week four? Uh, I think we're starting to see the cracks. 
Really? I think they will last one more week, but they will be falling apart by the end of it. So they seem like a Casa Amor couple, potentially. Like they could have some real trouble and both have their heads turned, or at least Toby have his head turned. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Will they be together at the end of week four or not? They're not coming out of week four together. That is a surprising answer. What about Liam and Millie? Yes. They fall asleep cuddled in each other's arms every night. Even if it's not deeper, even if it's just a dream couple, it's going really well so far. And I think even if AJ tries to throw a spanner in the works, I don't think it'll work. Okay. Now, what about Hugo and Sharon? Will they be together at the end of next week? No. Kaz and Aaron, will they be together at the end of next week? I don't think Danny is going to go for her, so they will probably still be friend coupled. I don't think Lucinda is ready to close off. I don't think Lucinda is ready to open up her options yet. Never mind close them down again with one dude. How about Faye and Teddy? Will they be together at the end of next week? I think so, unless somebody else comes in and turns Teddy's head. That seems like a real possibility. He shut AJ down. Because he was afraid of Faye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what makes you think Faye's going to get any less scary? I guess that is true. So the rest of the Islanders are single, so we will not review them. Let's get into some fantasy Love Island. This week, we had one couple that destroyed the competition more points than anybody has had in Fantasy Love Island by far. Of course, I'm talking about Liam and Millie. Now, they scored 111 and 106 points, respectively, beating out Toby, who had 91 points, and the next closest Islander was Chloe, who was 65. And to put it in perspective, all of those scores are better than anything we've seen so far from any other Islander. Well, as the season goes on, too, you know, the couples start becoming more intimate. So I think it's just a product also of the season progressing and couples progressing. Yeah. And a lot of it also is who gets screen time each week. And Liam and Millie got a decent amount of screen time. So they lead the pack and coming in at the very bottom. Unfortunately, it's Sharon because she got pied by Hugo. She ends up with negative 13 points on the week. That's rough. AJ and Danny, they don't have any points. They really haven't had the opportunity. Rachel leaves without scoring any points this week. How did we do in week three, Beck? Well, this is the week that you came back and beat me. Finally. Finally. Actually, you did win last week as well, but I still had a six-point lead going into this week. You now have an eight-point lead going into next week. You had 131 points this week. Liam, baby. Exactly. Liam and Liberty. Now, I had Chloe and Jake, who both did a solid, solid job Kept me in the competition, but I had no answer for Liam. We will see what happens next week. Should we talk about the music this episode? I feel like it was pretty memorable. 
Yeah. So when we were first thinking about segments for a Love Island podcast, generally, we were watching season three and we said there should be a segment just on all of the terrible, terrible covers. And season seven, we have a mix, I think, of good, bad, interesting covers. And when we cover season six, we also mentioned great music choices. And we had a couple great music choices through season seven as well. One I really appreciated, a non-cover, was we go into the fourth episode of the week with Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana. Yeah, a little shout out to people our age, I guess. And this is when we pick up the cliffhanger where Brad and Lucinda have to decide who's going and who's staying. And it was just a really nice, like, melancholy, tense musical choice to accompany the melancholy, tense, dramatic moment. So two points to the music team for that. Of course, they lose those points for the week. In fact, I think they get a lot of negative points in total for the week just from that Mr. Brightside cover, that weird Broadway style rendition. Oh, man. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of like Mr. Cellophane from Chicago. Not so much in how it sounded, but sort of tonally. It also had some, I'm a main character and I'm realizing who I am in this moment vibes. Sure. Also, how about the male-female piano version of What's Up by Four Non Blondes? That was offensive to me. I choose to uh, pretend that never happened. I, I really tried to not remember that. At, at least all. Mr. Brightside was funny and unique, if not good. Yeah, now in the notable covers, toward the end of the week, we get an interesting selection, Boom Boom. I was just surprised that they would use that song at all. I don't know what I really feel about that rendition of it. Well, you felt it was notable. Yeah, notable that they chose Boom Boom as a song, I guess. And then there was a questionable cover of The Reason by Hoobastank. I hate this cover less than I hate the original because it is one of my top five most hated songs of all time that my poor ears have ever stumbled upon. So what are those five songs that you hate the most? I knew you were going to ask that, so I wrote it down just to make sure I actually had some. Hey Soul Sister by Train, that song fills me with a rage I cannot describe. Yeah, that's a really horrible song. Bunch of fucking white guys talking about Soul Sisters. I just want to punch it in the face. For no good reason, I hate Edge of Seventeen by Fleetwood Mac, or is it Stevie Nicks herself? I don't know, but I hate it. Wow. You're not a fan of white-winged doves, huh? No, I really hate it. Ooh, baby, ooh, baby, ooh. So obviously the reason I hate Shattered by the Rolling Stones. Oh, wow. Whenever I hear of the song Shattered, I think of that book Chronic City by Jonathan Lethem, Chronic City. That's basically the theme song to that novel. I think I like the book, but I don't remember that song. It's my favorite Lethem book, I think. I don't remember that song being part of it, and I just hate it. I don't know why. I just hate it. And finally... I really, really hate Yoshimi Battles, The Pink Robots Part 2, because I love Part 1 so very much. It's one of my all-time, like, happy songs. And Part 2 just comes in so discordant and noisy, it hurts my sensitive ears. I love Yoshimi Part 2. I love that song. Well, our son hates it also. No, he really likes it too, actually. He told me he likes it. Oh, he knows how to talk to an audience, because he told me he hates it. Yeah, ah, figures. He plays both sides. So now you know my top five hated songs. Okay. Are you ready for the TNA report? I guess I'm, I have to be. I could just skip it and then people will never know. Who- no, no, no. Don't skip it. Let's do it. 
the TNA report. All right, let's start off with Kaz. I loved her pale pink date dress when she went out with Teddy and she had the long straight hair looking good. And she had this really cute orange plunge bathing suit on during the egg game. Millie goes over with me this week. At the recoupling, she has this tennis whites inspired outfit, which is kind of cute. But then these ugly orange heels that completely like do not go. It made her look like a desperate housewife of Florida from 20 years ago. Hated it. Yeah, I am not seeing eye to eye with you on Millie this week. I liked the whole outfit, including the orange shoes. I also hated the striped two-piece shirt and harem pants. They looked like pajamas. Again, I am going to do hard disagree. I really liked that outfit as well. Go, Millie. You are rocking the fashion. I am in full support. Now, Rachel, at that recoupling where she leaves, I thought she made a nice final impression with her magenta wrap dress. I thought she looked great in that. Yeah, Rachel was usually either a positive or a neutral. So cheers to you, Rachel. Leave them wanting more. And by the way, we didn't mention this, but Rachel was too good for this group of losers, right? She is way cooler, way better than the rest of these people, in my opinion. Yeah, Rachel didn't belong on Love Island. Rachel belongs on like Bali or Moustique or wherever she sends her fancy clients. Sharon, big fashion week. Not all great, but not all bad. I liked her blue and green paisley bikini with the poofy sleeves that it was different, although it looks hot and those sleeves do come off later. So I must have been right. I also liked her outfit at the first recoupling. That was the white ruffled shoulderless top and denim shorts. I think I actually really liked her hair the most, how it was kind of swept to one side. Good luck, Sharon. Then there was the jade green pajamas. A lot of pajamas passing as evening wear this year. And that's when AJ comes in. And then she's wearing that stupid silver Missy Elliott sack dress on her date with Danny. If she had time to fix her makeup, she had time to change her dress. I will die on that hill. But her hair, again, looked fantastic. Lucinda looked very cute in the baby pink dress and matching nails at the surprise Brad dumping. So while she was really sad and crying, at least she looked fantastic. Chloe, I hated the half white, half blue dress with the weird tip between her legs. I don't know. It looked like an ugly ice skating dress. But I did like the backless pink dress that she was wearing during the run up to the second recoupling that I will probably mention again next week because I forgot that I mentioned it this week. Lib nailed it this week. I love the side swept bouncy curls and I loved the black and yellow snake print bathing suit during the food challenge. Another mixed week for Faye. She had a white bodycon dress with long sleeves and a high neck. Less is more sometimes, Faye. She looked really fantastic, really classy. It still showed off everything you want to show off. She had another wide open dress in beige leading up to the second recoupling. Like an ugly cut, ugly color. I don't know. I'm not a beige fan. She is just very obsessed with beige. And it's not just me. The internet agrees that she needs to ditch the brown lippy. Now, I liked AJ's outfit, the high-waisted palazzo pants with the black bikini top. I thought that looked really cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Let's talk about the guys. Lots of guy fashion. Yeah, it was a good week for jackets, basically. 
Yeah, Teddy tries a checked jacket on. You see it for two seconds in the dressing room when he's prepping for the new girl. Was it checked or houndstooth? It was so fast, I couldn't even tell. It was like a white and a very dark brown or a cream and a very dark brown or black. It was dope. And Teddy, you missed your opportunity. Yeah, I hope we get to see that jacket again. I did like that khaki shirt jacket that he wore with the big black buttons. Uh, That was really cool. And he also had a cool plaid overshirt at the second recoupling. Toby might be my least favorite person in the villa at this point, but his jacket, that green bomber jacket, that is my favorite jacket of the week in a week with a lot of cool jackets. Aaron, well, he was again rocking that terrible denim jacket with the paint splotches, but... He also had a really cool dark green two-pocket windbreaker. Speaking of jackets, I hated Danny's brown and black jacket during recoupling number two. Hated it. I actually really liked that jacket. I thought it was pretty cool. And finally, on a non-jacket note, I loved Brad's blue dove shirt for his date. That was really cool. I loved the color. It brought out his eyes. I liked that shirt a lot, too. Wasn't paying attention to his dreamy eyes as much as you were, but, you know, yeah, it's a cool shirt. I wasn't, like, staring into his dreamy eyes lost in romance. I just noticed that it was flattering. Uh Uh-huh. But his haircut is very dated. I hated his tight jeans on the way out, but they did look really cool with the high top chucks. High top chucks, always a smart decision. Let's talk about the favorite things that happened in the villa this week, Beck. What were your favorite things that happened that we didn't talk about yet? The silly things. So I'm going to call this top bits. I think I've dubbed the segment top bits. All right. Number one, Liam has never heard the phrase carpe diem and Millie doesn't know what language it is. Number two, Teddy and Faye have a relationship chat. Teddy asks, where are we now? Faye says, the terrace. But um bum Number three, Sharon sarcastically suggests that Liam and Millie are reading Bible passages in the hideaway. There's a lot of begatting in the Bible. Lots of begatting. Number four, Hugo can't get his meat and veg situated in his tight pants. In our season six podcast, we sometimes talk about slang terms. I think everything this week was Fairly self-explanatory. Meat and veg certainly was. And I wonder if Brad had a meat and veg problem in his exit pants. Ouch. And finally, Liam and Jake have a kiss after they drop the egg. Then they reenact it in the beach hut, complete with an egg smash. And of course, that is how Liam gains that five-point edge on Millie in Fantasy Love Island. We don't discriminate. A kiss is a kiss. A kiss is a kiss. And... An episode is an episode. That is another week in the Love Island Villa in our seventh season of Love Island UK. And we will be back next week to talk about week four. The week leading up to Casa Amor. Oh, yeah. You know it is going to be exciting. We'll get some more bombshells. We're going to kick things off with a recoupling. Another recoupling. Yeah, somebody is going home. Hey, hey. Bye, bye, bye. Until then, you can reach us on the socials. You can tweet at me at LBLI Podcast. You can reach me at LBLI Peng, but you're better off tweeting at Ben and just tagging me. You can like us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram, though I'm not sure what that really does for you. 
or us. And you can email us. You at, should email us. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Little bit leave it podcast at gmail.com. If your questions are good or your comments are good, we will read them live on the air. Well, live to us, recorded to you. All right. On that note, from Staten Island to Love Island. Good night, AJ, you gorgeous piece of meat. <laughs>